Blog Talk Radio. Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you on this Friday morning. Praise the Lord. Just a couple of days from now, it will be Father's Day, a celebration here in the United States where children give honor for their father's hard work and labor in their lives. Uh, For some people, it's a great celebration. For others, it's a very sad day because of the condition of things in people's lives. However, you and I, all of us, can actually turn this celebratory time into our appreciation for our Heavenly Father. And if all of God's kids would give this day to Him, well, that would be awesome. But it is a day where we used to, in this country, respect and honor our mothers and fathers, and we understood that commandment, honor your mother and father, this is with a promise And we're going to be actually talking about it this weekend uh, at New Wine Ministry Christian Fellowship Center in Bella Vista, Arkansas. But uh, to all of you that are preparing a wonderful week, God bless you. I truly pray that you fathers out there who have labored in the lives of your sons and daughters will experience the honor that is due you for the job that you've done. Listen, one thing I've learned about fathering children, we've never done it before. The first time around, many mistakes. And uh, it's important that reconciliation between parents and their children, uh, it's the most important thing in the fabric of our society. And one of the ways the enemy has been running roughshod over this nation is what Khrushchev said. Remember back in the 1940s or 50s when he took a shoe and he banged it and he said, we'll destroy you without a shot. 
And uh, the idea was we will destroy the family unit. Well, that has been an ongoing work, and it has been very, very successful. And to those of you that have been able to maintain and sustain your family relationship, you are one in a million. You truly are. But uh, in Jesus Christ, there is reconciliation, there is healing, there is restoration, and there is nothing impossible with God, and that's the bottom line. So today, I wanted to address you, the listeners here on this uh, broadcast, and by beginning to ask you a question, I wanted to ask you a question, and it's something that was rolling around in my mind, and um, my question to you is this, if Jeremiah the prophet, if Isaiah the prophet, if Ezekiel the prophet, if John the Baptist the prophet, if they were alive today in the year 2021, witnessing, living on this earth at this time, what would their message be to the nations of the earth. And let's take it a little bit closer because we live here in America and we are connected to Israel. What would the message of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, John the Baptist be if they were to give voice prophetically to our nation today and the church within our nation today in America today? Now, to me, that's a, an honest question because of what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And for many of our listeners, we've been through this many times, but for maybe you who have not visited here before, I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 10 to you. And I want to remind you of something when so many people today are saying, well, we don't do the Old Testament. And believe me when I say, we are not going back under the Old Testament either as far as the contract or the covenant is concerned. We're definitely in a new covenant, and uh, we rejoice for that new covenant. But what about these words spoken by the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'll start at the beginning, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers... Now, who is Paul talking to? He's talking to the church at Corinth. It is a new covenant church made up of Jew and Gentile, predominantly Gentiles. And he's talking to them as brethren, and he doesn't want them to be ignorant how that all our fathers. So to the Jews, they knew exactly, the Jews at Corinth, they knew exactly what Paul was referring to. The Gentiles became aware as well that he was talking about the fathers being Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says to them, I don't want you to be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses. So specifically, he's referring to the time of the Israelis coming out of the nation of Egypt and they were going through the Red Sea and the whole nation of their founding fathers, of their forefathers, were baptized unto Moses in the cloud in the sea. So we know exactly what event and exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. And verse 3 says, they did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. And so here is a great mystery that Christ was the rock 
And uh, you remember that Moses struck a rock and water flowed out of it. Well, there was a rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So Christ was in the wilderness. He wasn't known as Jesus Christ, but he was Christ. And the Christ that was in the body of a man named Jesus was the same Christ. It's Christ, okay? And that's another story, but that's not where we want to focus right now. It says in the continuation, and that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ, verse 5, but with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now understand what's happening. Paul's addressing the church at Corinth, and he's wanting them to be aware of rather than ignorant of. He wants them to go back to the story of the founding fathers, uh, the forefathers that were with Moses coming out of Egypt. And he's telling about their story when they left Egypt. They're now going into the wilderness. And he's saying that God was not well pleased with them. Now, why would the Apostle Paul of the New Covenant be telling the Christians, the Jew and the Gentile believers in Corinth, about the story of Israel if it wasn't important, right? Number one question. So verse six says, now these things were our examples. He uses the word our examples. In other words, Paul's telling the church at Corinth, made up of the Jew and the Gentile, that what happened to them were to be examples for us, the new covenant church. And he goes on to say, now these things were our examples to the intent We should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day 23,000 people. So there was a time in the economy of Israel, that because of their sin of immorality, fornication, probably the one where Moses was crying and the camp was infected with sin, right, and the people were dying everywhere. So he's reminding the New Testament church about the past activities of the Israelis. For what reason? Well, he goes on to say in verse 9, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted. Remember, Christ was with them in the wilderness, God's presence, God's glory, God's anointing. Now, that same presence and glory and anointing was in the body of the man, Jesus. The Bible says, in, uh, as Paul was writing to Timothy, the man, Jesus. So Jesus was the man, but what was in the man was Christ, the glory, the presence, the anointing of God Almighty, the full embodiment of who God is. And he's saying that we should not do the things that they did, Um And they were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10, neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, verse 11, this is key, now all these things happened unto them for end samples. First he had examples, and now he uses end samples, which is more of a pattern. So in other words, the Apostle Paul is saying to the New Covenant Church at Corinth, made up of the Jew and the Gentile, that when you read the scriptures of what happened to the Israelis in the Old Testament in their journey with God, and by the way, this was right around the very time when they were being given the law. It was actually things that were going on actually before they had received the law. They were murmuring, complaining, what did you bring us out here for to die, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Paul's saying, remember these things. 
because they're given to us for end samples, for patterns of how God deals with things. You see, the cool thing about God is that he has already set the pattern, and then we, we are to copy the pattern. So if God sets a pattern of if you sin, you're going to be disciplined and rebuked, and you're going to be punished for it. Well, what Paul is simply saying is when we do the same things that they did, well, we get the same experience, even though we're under a new covenant of grace and mercy, which is absolutely amazing. Because here the Apostle Paul is saying that your new covenant grace, your new covenant mercy, does not license you to do the things that were done to them because what was done to them for what they did will be done to you if you do the same thing. That's very clear, right? And then he said, not only did they happen unto them for ensamples or patterns, they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So the things that were written about in the Old Testament of God's dealings with Israel were written for our admonition, our learning, our instruction. They were written as samples and examples that if anybody does the same thing, it will be done to them. And you follow that through in Jude and in Second Peter, where both Jude and Peter were talking to the New Covenant Church of their day, Jew and Gentile congregations coming together as one new man in the earth, the same thing is that Sodom and Gomorrah was an end sample. It was a pattern to anybody that would do what they did. So in other words, if Sodom and Gomorrah is the pattern of how God deals with that kind of an environment, well, obviously, in the United States of America today and other nations around the world, we're following the same example. We're following the same end sample, the pattern. And what's going to happen is we're going to be destroyed just like they were destroyed that's what the New Covenant Apostle Peter and Jude were actually saying, all right? Because we cannot be ignorant of how God dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah, and they bring Sodom and Gomorrah into the New Testament and say, now, I'm, I've been, I know I've been harping on this for a few days now about the homosexual LGBTQ community. It is my response to the month of June being given over to what they call Pride Month. And so I believe a biblical response to June uh, being given over to the homosexual agenda, this has been my personal response through the word of God to condemn what they're calling pride and to make sure that it's a shame. And I know I've been doing that, and I have a message for men and women who are caught up in the lifestyle, just so we don't come across as being bigoted or anything like that, the politically right words and all these different things. But I do want you to know, the believer that the Bible is very clear. He even brings up the days of Noah. And he says that the days of Noah is, is going to be like that in the last days. And that they were so perverse and they were so wicked and they were doing godless things. And today in our land of artificial intelligence, technology, spyware, I mean, all the different things going on in our society, we should know that there is interaction with dimensional things going on. There are demonic uh, and manifestations going on around the world. Uh, CERN is, is one of those big things in Switzerland that Brother, Ro I forget his name, talked about. Robert, I think his name is. Uh, we could get into that later. My point. Well, my point is, my point is, I asked a question at the beginning. If Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and John the Baptist 
were on earth today, would they have a different message for America than what they spoke to Israel? Okay, because the United States of America is the Judeo-Christian nation. Okay, America and Israel are connected. America and Israel today are hosting, in other words, they've opened the door to these houses, the house over in Israel today and the house of America, the Judeo-Christian nation today. We've opened the door to a flood of the Sodomite environment and atmosphere. In other words, in Israel, in Tel Aviv, it is the number one gathering place in the world for the largest gathering of homosexuals and lesbians and transvestites, et cetera, et cetera. So if God is saying through Paul the Apostle that things that were done in the past under the Old Testament were examples and end samples and admonitions for us in the New Covenant, do you think that God would have a different message to America today? Now, there's a reason for asking that. The answer is no. If John the Baptist had a podcast today, if uh, Jeremiah had a podcast today, if Ezekiel and Isaiah both had podcasts today, and you would wake up on, in the morning and you would turn on the Jeremiah podcast, and Jeremiah sat behind a microphone and a camera and realized he was speaking to a nation, would he have a different message because we're under a new covenant today when the American people, especially the church in America today, are doing and allowing the same things that were done in the Old Testament that drew the wrath of God, would they have a different message? And the answer is no, they would not. Now, let me ask you this question. If you turned on Jeremiah's podcast or Isaiah's podcast or Ezekiel's podcast or Habakkuk's podcast or Amos's podcast or Micah's podcast or John the Baptist's podcast, if you turn on any of their podcasts today, what would they be saying? Peace and safety? Would they be proclaiming as we have become like in the days of Noah and in the Sodom and Gomorrah? We're just like them and worse in some ways because we know so much better. Um, so what would their message be? It wouldn't be peace and safety, the seven steps of prosperity, how to become a winner in the world today. No, he would be, they would be calling, most likely, the nation to repentance. Now, Jeremiah did this for 40 years. Yesterday was our 20-year anniversary. Can you imagine? For 20 years, we have been broadcasting a message of repentance wherever and whoever would be listening, from AM, FM radio stations, on television, now on the Internet for a few years. So we have been broadcasting for 20 years. Jeremiah did it for 40 years. Ezekiel prophesied. Isaiah prophesied. John the Baptist prophesied. And so God is bringing, there has to be a prophetic word through the mantle of the prophets of God, okay, to these nations today, Israel and the United States of America, who are doing the same exact things that the Israelis were doing, and they are our example. They're our example. The pastors today that are preaching lovely things and nice things, there's nothing wrong with new covenant blessing. There's nothing wrong with new covenant love. I mean, God is love. He's the same God today as he was yesterday. You know, I think some people think God had an anger management class, and he, he, he shifted from an Old Testament God to a New Testament God. 
the world will have you believe that. The LGBTQ community will have you believe that. But I don't believe God has ever changed. I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, forever. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe that Christ is always the same. And, the, and Christ being the presence, the embodiment, the glory, the anointing of God, wherever it is. He could put that Christ in a rock if he wanted to. He could put that Christ in a donkey if he wanted to. Well, the full embodiment of Christ was in the wilderness with the people. And when the people sinned and offended that glory, they offended that anointing, they offended that light, they offended the honor of God, the presence of God that was in the Christ that was with them. Well, there was punishment to pay. And so the people chose to act out this way when God was calling them to experience the glory, the honor, the love, and the peace and the joy. So today, a new covenant believer can enjoy the presence, the glory, the honor, the anointing of God, which is Christ, in our personal lives. Because Christ, that glory, honor, and and, and anointing and presence is in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But when we as a nation or we as a people begin to act like the Israelis did in our human nature and our flesh, and then our legislators and lawmakers promote laws that offend the anointed one and his anointing, the presence, the glory, the honor of God. When they do that, they're offending God. And God's basically saying through this word, what I did to them, I'm going to do to you. What I did to Sodom and Gomorrah, I'm going to do to you. So how far away are we from God releasing the comets or the asteroids or the meteorites that are going to strike this earth and destroy it like Sodom and Gomorrah? How long, how far do we have? Well, the prophetic warnings have been in this nation coming up now, really, probably toward a 40-year mirror, going back to David Wilkerson and the other prophets of God that were prophesying warnings to our nation when we began to make a real hard turn away from the things of God, okay? So I think I've made my point. And Again, if you turned into Jeremiah's podcast today, Isaiah's podcast, Ezekiel's podcast, uh, John the Baptist's podcast, Amos's podcast, Micah's podcast, Habakkuk's podcast, and all the other podcasts of all the other prophets, there would be one message to America. And their message to America would be disaster is coming. I mean, I could read to you their messages. I could read out of Isaiah. I could read out of Jeremiah. I could read out of Ezekiel. I could read the messages of John the Baptist. Whoa, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. I could read to you Amos' prophecy, Micah's prophecy, Habakkuk's prophecy, Nahum's prophecy. I could read all the prophets, and there would be one message. Repent or perish. Well, for these many years that God has been warning America through the prophets of God in Scripture— And we, the vessels of God today, are only speaking what they spoke. We don't need a new message to appeal to men. Our message is never, the message that uh, those who are prophesying today should be no different than the message that the prophets of God that have been recorded in Scripture have spoken. And even though we're in a new covenant, we get a worse punishment. I know a lot of people think that's crazy, but let me just read to you out of Hebrews real quick before I get into the gist of what I really want to talk about today. But did you know in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 26, here's what we read, Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully, 
after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, which is our faith in Jesus Christ, there remains no sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversaries. This is New Covenant theology here, by the way. Hebrews 10, now verse 28 says, He that despised Moses' law, in other words, they didn't do what the law of Moses told them to do, they died without mercy under two or three witnesses. In other words, if one of those Israeli people didn't keep Moses' law, and there were two or three witnesses to prove that they didn't, they died without mercy. Then he says, of how much sorer punishment. New Testament writer, book of Hebrews, is now in the New Covenant and telling the believers how much sorer punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who has trodden underfoot the Son of God. You see, this is true doctrine. False doctrine is we're under a new covenant, and therefore we could do the things that they did but not have to pay for them. And yet the Bible says how much more, right, how much more or how much sorer or harsher or how much more severe punishment belongs to those who have trodden underfoot the Son of God and have counted the blood of the covenant, the new covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and has done despite the spirit of grace. In other words, the Bible actually teaches that even though we're under a new covenant with better promises, it's a better covenant, better promises for the obedient, it's true. But for those who act out like the Israelis, it's a more severe punishment. And what is that more severe punishment? Well, if you read in 2 Peter chapter 2, we've been here several times, but in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, we read these words. For if after they have escaped the pollutions, now tie this in with Hebrews chapter 10 that we just read, that those who are under the new covenant, they, they put the Son of God underfoot, they despise the grace that has been given them, not the law, but they despise the grace. In other words, they don't allow the grace to have its way in their lives. They're going to have a more severe punishment than those who are under the law of Moses. Not less, more. That's what we just read. Well, here in 2 Peter 2.20, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, what did they do? They escaped. They were sanctified. They were cleansed. On all accounts, by the blood of the Lamb, if they do what? If they've escaped through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, they are again entangled. In other words, if they go back after being sanctified, after being saved by grace through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, he said, if they go back, what happens? If, let me see it. If they are entangled again or entangled therein and overcome the latter end is worse with them than the beginning the latter end is worse than the beginning here is somebody that escaped the pollutions and corruptions of the world and the flesh through their knowledge of jesus christ 
They were sanctified by the grace of God, the blood of Christ, the love of God. But they went back. They were entangled again in the flesh, in their sin. And they were overcome by it. Well, he says here that it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. So here is a New Testament admonition, a very powerful one. And I could tie this into many other scriptures in the Bible in the New Testament about people that say they're saved by grace. They're saved through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. They've been sanctified. They taste it. What does it say in Hebrews chapter 6? You've read it so many times. Let me read it one more time just for that individual that may be hearing true doctrine for the first time in their lives. It says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 3, or let's go to verse 4, okay? So Hebrews chapter 6, verse 4. Listen carefully to these words. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. There's a reason for this, by the way. This is not the center theme of the message today, but it's important. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Have you ever known anybody that's been once enlightened? And have tasted of the heavenly gift. Well, we know the heavenly gift is the Holy Spirit. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. And have tasted the good word of God. Now, remember, this is impossible for those who were once enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, were made partakers of the Holy Ghost, have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, what is impossible for them? If they shall fall away, it is impossible to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucified themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. What are these scriptures telling us? They're telling us that we begin with our faith in Jesus Christ and receive the grace of God. We get filled with the Holy Spirit. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Our names are written in the book of life. Okay? We escape the corruptions and the pollutions of the world. We have the grace of God. We taste the good word of God. We understand the word of God. We obey the word of God. We follow the word of God. We're filled with the Holy Spirit, working out of salvation with fear and trembling. But something happens. They're entangled again. They're overcome. They go back like the dog to his vomit. They go back to the pig that was washed, but it goes back to its wallowing in the mire in the filth of the past. These people fall away, maybe through persecution, hard times, tribulation hits their lives. Talking to the the Jews, right? I mean, the Hebrews. And so for whatever reason, people go back, and every time we're told it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. It's impossible for them to come back again. Now, I know that there have been many Christians who have been backslidden at different times in their lives as they've been journeying with Jesus and have experienced the mercy of God and the grace of God. And by the mercy and grace of God have come to a point through the fear of the Lord, they have never looked back ever again. There was a time in their lives where they were up and down, in and out, going through it. 
But a time came when God began to deal with them more severely and brought them to a revelation and understanding, I am not going to allow you to put my grace in open shame by living the life that you are going back to your worldly ways. So God has dealt with people and they made the transition. They've never gone back again. Now, in these last days, we're told that many people are going to go back. We're told that the majority, a large company of people, are going to fall away from the faith. We're told that the love of many is going to wax cold. We're told all kinds of things about people who started out in the journey. And you say, well, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Therefore, no matter how I live because I believe in Jesus, I have my name written in the Lamb's Book of Life that's reserved in heaven. Well, the answer to that is in Revelation chapter 2. And I don't care how many people try to manipulate the word to make it fit into their once saved, always saved doctrine. Here's what the Bible actually does say in Revelation chapter 3. And let's just read it. Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that has the seven spirits of God. In other words, he knows everything and the seven stars. I know your works, that you have a name that you live. So to the Christians that were in Sardis, they had a name that they were alive. He says, but you're dead. You say you're alive, but you're dead. He said, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, for those that had a little remaining left, that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Wow. I haven't found your works perfect before God. Aren't you glad you didn't belong to the church of Sardis where God had such high expectations? Whew. Well, wait a second. God has high expectations for every one of us. And that high expectation is to be conformed into the image of Christ, to be brought to the full stature of the firstborn son of God. I mean, he's already set the standard for you and I, and it's to become like him. Wow, we need help. Holy Spirit is there to help. Now watch this. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard and hold fast and repent. So he was telling this church, repent. If therefore you shall not watch, if you will not watch, and then he's saying it to our generation, I will come on you as a thief. I'm going to steal something. I'm coming as a thief. And you shall not know what hour I will come upon you. So the Lord is saying to the church of Sardis, as to all the churches, to all people who belong to Christ, that they've gotten into a place where they are not pulling their weight. They're not striving for the excellencies of Christ to become, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the fivefold ministry. It's laboring in their life. They're just sitting back, lukewarm, whatever. He warned them, I'm coming like a thief. And I'm going to steal something. And you're not going to know when I came and stole it. You're going to be sleeping in your bed. I'm going to break into your house. I'm going into your little jewelry box. I'm going to steal all your diamonds and all your rings. I'm going to steal all your money out of your safe. I'm going to steal everything. You're not even going to know I was there. You're not going to know I was there. That's what he's telling them. And then he said, In verse 4, you have a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. They shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Now listen, here's what the Lord's going to steal that the people don't know. Okay? He says in verse 5, he that overcomes, 
The same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life. So to the overcomer who gets right with God, starts doing what we're supposed to do, the way God wants it done, and going for the glory, right? Raising up by the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength, but in the strength of God, becoming who he wants us to be, a new nature, born again, spirit-filled, Christ-like individual. Now, for those that are going on and repenting and doing that, praise the Lord. But those who don't, what did he say? That he who overcomes, in other words, who, those who do not repent and overcome this lethargic condition of lukewarmness, right? I will blot out. In other words, I will erase. I will eradicate. I will steal. That's how he's coming as a thief, to steal the name out of the book of life. Now, you don't hear that preached everywhere. You have people getting in there trying to shift it and turn it around and make it say something else. It doesn't mean anything else. It simply means as a Christian, if you don't repent and go on with God and stop playing in the world and, uh, you know, compromising one foot in, one foot out, being kind of relaxed and lazy about your walk with God and you're not really working out your salvation with fear and trembling at an accelerated pace, especially in those last days, well, if you don't, then your name's going to be blotted out. And how does that work? What happens when the name is blotted out and people don't know it because the thief came while we were sleeping? We didn't take heed to the warning. So now the name is gone, but we go on believing that our name is still there. We still think our jewelry is in the jewelry box and our money is in the safe. We don't know that a thief had broken in. And so we're just wandering around. And all of a sudden the day comes. And the many say what in Matthew chapter 7? Let's just read it real quick. Jesus told us this right up front, and it's a very hard saying, but it's nonetheless very true. It's New Testament theology we're in here. And so he goes on, and he says, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, I'm in Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my Father. Now, isn't that kind of a direct connection to what Jesus was telling the church at Sardis? Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because their name has been blotted out of the book of life. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So that's those who have repented and are doing the will of God from their heart and are going through a metamorphosis or a metamorphosis and are changing and being transformed. Many, in verse 22, Jesus said, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name and in your name have cast out devils and in your name done many wonderful works, Lord, we were doing all these gifts and works and power gifts and we were doing all kinds of stuff in your name. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. I was never intimate with you in nature. You were in, involved in doing all these works, but your spirit, your, your soul, your nature never conformed to mine. There was never a nature union or a union of the nature of your born-again spirit and my spirit, which are like spirit, okay? So this is all Jesus is saying. It's no mystery. 
This is no mystery. Many people believe they're saved, and yet they're acting out like the ancient Hebrews, the Israelis, the Jewish people. Paul warns that if you do that, you're going to experience the same thing that they did. They were cut off. They died in the wilderness. They were not saved. They did not enter in. Jesus is teaching. Paul is teaching. Peter is teaching. Jude is teaching. The same thing. You and I live in an environment right now that is conducive to one of two directions. The passionate are going to become more passionate. The lovers of Christ are going to become more lovers of Christ. Those who are genuine about pursuing their faith and apprehending the promises of God and walking in the glory, loving the glory, loving the anointing, loving the presence, loving the honor of God, they're going to go deeper and deeper into that anointing, that Christ. They're going to go further and further away from the darkness. Behold, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Behold, darkness shall cover the earth and gross darkness the people, but the Lord shall arise upon you and his glory shall be seen within you. That's new covenant reality. That the present troubles are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And we, the lovers of the anointed one and his anointing, the lovers of his presence, the lovers of his honor, the lovers of his glory are going deeper into him. And then the other contrariness is those who have been tootsie in around, one foot in, one foot out, they're going to be swept away by a flood and they're going to go into the darkness and they're going to go deeper and deeper and deeper into the darkness yea, even consumed by it, never to be recovered again. So the question is always, what side of the day are you on? Are you passionate for Jesus Christ? Do you love his glory? Do you love his honor? You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 2? Let's just give this real quick. Romans chapter 2 says this. It's so black and white. It's so easy, clear to understand. Verse 5 of Romans chapter 2, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, you're treasuring up unto yourself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Now listen to verse 7. To them who by patient continuous in well-doing, now what does it mean to be patiently continuing? What are they doing? They are seeking for glory, not their own, but they're seeking for God's glory which is within his anointing, with his, this is Christ, they are seeking and for glory and honor and immortality. Their reward for seeking that is eternal life. But unto them that are contentious, one foot in, one foot out, a little bit lazy, not really concerned about getting cleaned up and washed and changed and all that, and they don't obey the truth, right? That's the whole problem here. They're just not obeying the truth of God but obey unrighteousness. They're walking in the flesh. They're obeying the impulses of the flesh. Galatians 5, right? What is their reward? Indignation and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does evil of the, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile, but glory, honor, and peace to every man that works good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. 
So when he's talking about those who are patiently continuing to seek the glory of Christ, the honor of God, the, uh, uh, the immortality of what God has written in his word about eternal life, those are pursuing that. I'm telling you, in this moment we're in, there are those that are going to accelerate into the ovary of the anointing, the ovary of Christ. They're going to go so deep into Christ's light and because they love him. They don't want the sin-sick debauchery. They've been working it out. They've been dealing with it. They've stumbled at times. They've had to confess and repent, but they've never stopped. They never gave in and said, I give up. I can't do this anymore. And they never did that. And they've, they've gotten some victory and they've matured and they've gone on with the Lord. But now comes a season of acceleration into the very beam of that light. I mean, my God, how glorious is that? They're going to actually come into contact with the honor, the glory, the immortality, the peace of God, and, and that's it. But others are going into deep darkness. The gray zone, the, the multiple, multitudes, multitudes, said the prophet Joel. Multitudes are in the valley of decision, but the valley is going to be destroyed. In other words, it's time to get off the fence. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, if you're hot and cold, I'll spoo you out of my mouth. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. So the passionate will become more passionate, and those who are lukewarm will become more ice cold, and they will disappear. Folks, that's it. Now, why do we bring this up? Why do we bring this up? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, John the Baptist, and all the other prophets, they have a podcast in America today. Let's just say, you go to their podcast. They're encouraging the righteous. They're talking about the glory of God. They're warning the wicked in the house of God. Who are the wicked? Those who live after the flesh, disobey the word, will not do the truth. They, they love the world, they love the flesh, and they love to actually sit at the table of demons. Okay, that's 1 Corinthians 12. They do. They really do like it. They enter, demons entertain them, and they entertain demons, and there's something going on deep down inside that's very fleshly, carnal, enticing, pleasurable to the flesh. Okay, well, the day is coming where wherever one is, is that's where they're going to remain. For me and my house, we want to pursue, we want to keep going into the light. Because we love Jesus. We've been in the darkness, and he took us out of it, and it's not healthy. It's not good. And if there's a power to release me from the dominion of my flesh, I want it. Romans 6, there's a power. Believe me, there's a power. We keep washing, sanctifying, cleansing, reading the word, staying in fellowship, doing it all for the glory and honor, while the world's saying, what are you guys doing over there? Come on and join us. It's an all-out orgy now. Out in the world, you do anything you want, and it's all legal. Ah. Okay, so... That's not who we are. So we warn. Jeremiah would warn, and I have a warning, a real one. But before I get into the prophetic word that I believe has been pronounced against our nation, all of them have been. Believe me, it's, it's no big mystery. They've all been pronounced. You've heard it probably before, but maybe to that one individual who has not heard the truth yet of where we are in this country. We know that the judgment's over us because the end samples and the examples of what happens if you follow the same example of Sodom and Gomorrah and the days of Noah, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. We can't expect anything less. In fact, in the new covenant, a more sore punishment is coming. So can you imagine 
Jeremiah preaching his word, Isaiah preaching his word, Ezekiel preaching that word, John the Baptist prophesying to the nation of the coming destruction, and then getting off of their podcast, running down to the IRS and say, wait, I got to go pay my taxes. And then they pay their taxes that actually support abortion, homosexuality, which is where all the people's tax money goes. Okay. Can you imagine Jeremiah saying, well, okay, I've done my podcast. I've warned the wicked. Now I'm going down and I'm paying my taxes that actually supports everything I just spoke against. You know what would be really upsetting to Nancy Pelosi? You know what would be really upsetting to the people in Washington, D.C. that are controlling things right now for a moment? They're taking positions of power within our nation. They thought January 6th was really bad. They thought that was really bad stuff, that somebody walked into the Congress. What if every Christian in the United States of America who loved God stopped giving tax money to keep building their empire of abortion and bloodshed and homosexuality? What if all the right people in this nation stopped giving their taxes and just said, hey, Nancy, you're fired. We're not paying you anymore. Hey, Congress, Senate, Judiciary, White House, you're fired. We, the people of the United States of America, You are fired. We're not paying you anymore. And if you insist upon staying in our buildings that our money paid for, we will come and bodily remove you. Wouldn't that be refreshing? Wouldn't that be refreshing? Most people are probably terrified of such a thing, right? Most people are terrified because they live as slaves to the Egyptian empire. They live as though, gee, if I don't do this, I'm going to get in trouble. But if everybody that loved this nation, that knew that the people that were now in control are evil against our nation, and we fired them, Boy, that would give them a ajada. It would give them ajada. It really would. Now, mostly, most likely, that's not going to happen. That's just one of those, you know, long-held <clears throat> ideas that maybe 40 years ago that could have worked, maybe 20 years ago. But as a friend of mine said, we're so far down the road right now that um, we just don't know. We just don't know if that's right or not. If it'll work. So what is the answer? What is the answer? What's the word? Well, I want to go back to it. And it's in Amos chapter 8. And I want to go there. This is the third year that I'm going to release this word. It's not my word. It's God's word that was put into a young man by the name of Amos. And it's a particular part of the, of the word that he proclaimed to Israel, and this particular part, this chapter, these passages are what God is saying 
to America today, to this country. Now, when we first released this, we broke every single word down. We dissected it. We, we just brought it down to its deepest root. And we began to see it actually come to pass before our very eyes. But it's not over. This is the third time this word is coming to the shores of America. And this is what the prophet Amos says to America. And this is the message. God spoke to him in this manner. Amos 8.1, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. You know that I've been declaring, I believe that the summer of 2021 will be the summer of violence again. I've been saying this for two years. This is the third year. Summer begins in two days in America. The Lord showed me a basket of summer fruit, and he said to me, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, the end is come upon my people of Israel. I will not again pass by them anymore. What is he saying? If we were to take that message, and if Amos were in America today, Amos would have heard God say, the end is come upon my people, the United States of America. The end is come. I won't pass by them anymore. In other words, this is it. I've given opportunity for repentance. I have sent the prophets. I have called them. I've been desiring to show my mercy to them. I've offered forgiveness to them. I have desired that this nation would repent of its sin. And rather than repenting, they are accelerating the mass murder of the innocent babies. They are accelerating and giving months away to the abomination of homosexuality and sexual perversion of every kind. So Amos would tell us today that God has said to him, tell America the end is coming. In verse 3, God went on to tell Amos, All, and, and the songs of the temple, a lot of temples in America today, churches, okay? The songs of the temple shall be howlings. Now, in 2020, when all the churches were shut down, we had prophesied this word before the coronavirus hit in March and April, right? Things were happening. And all of a sudden, the, the churches shut down. And the word said, the songs of the temple shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord, the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. We were shown images during the 2020 debacle of the pandemic that they created. We were shown images of people dying everywhere. And they cast them forth with silence. 
You saw it in the city streets and the hospitals and everywhere. A lot of death struck the shores of America in 2020. We are now talking about the summer of violence in the year 2021, a time where God says, I'm not passing by anymore. The end is, is come. And this is the third time God has warned with previews. He showed us our nation on fire in 2020. The Lord God showed us that what he was saying, he meant. He showed the cities of America burning with violence. Today, in California, the news is out in the prestigious San Francisco and other cities along the coast that people are walking down streets, walking, trying to get around the tents and the cardboard boxes and the human excrement that is on the sidewalks and the streets. There is a combination of many storms that have been forecasted to come that are all gathering for the same moment in 2021. I personally believe that God has revealed something about a massive hurricane or a massive hurricane season. And I believe we're going to see again what we saw a couple of years ago, the back-to-back-to-back hurricanes that did more damage than ever in the Bahamas, on the eastern seaboard of the United States, the southeast seaboard. I believe that you're going to see some crazy things come in the summer of 2020. God is saying you're going to see many dead bodies. He gives the reason why. And the simple reason why at that time was that Hear this, you that swallow up the needy, even to make the poor of the land to fail. They talk about when will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn. In other words, it was all about economy, money, greed. And the Sabbath, we may set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, falsifying the balances by de- deceit. You think they were deceitful then. They just wanted the, they wanted the Sabbath to pass so we can get back to business, falsify the balance, uh, the balance so that we can make money, we could sell um, uh, a little bit with a little bit of quality for a lot of money. And this is what they're doing everywhere right now, right? I mean, at a massive scale. That's what makes what's coming more massive. Now, that we may buy the poor for silver, the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat, give, the, give them the least best quality, the least quality of wheat. We could sell that for a lot of money. Verse 7, the Lord has sworn by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. Hmm. Shall not the land, verse 8, here's the prophecy that we see coming, shall not the land tremble for this? Just for that, let alone 90 million babies being murdered and all the other stuff going on. But just for that, shall not the land tremble for this and everyone mourn that dwells therein? And it shall rise up holy as a flood. So everyone's going to mourn that dwells in the land. The land is going to tremble. 
It's going to rise up like a flood. It shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. And it shall come to pass in that day, verse 9, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. The day of darkness upon America is coming. The end of America will be with darkness, an electromagnetic pulse, lights out, reality of lights out. What we just saw in a mild pandemic, a controlled pandemic, to get people vaccinated, to have a massive kill-off is one thing, but the massive amount of death that will take place with the lights out that God's going to allow to happen, he says, I'm going to darken the earth in the clear day, is going to be beyond anything anybody's ever known, quite frankly. And then he says, in verse 10, I will turn your feast into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. And what's actually being said here is that the summer fruit of judgment is here. By the time you get to your feast in the fall, they will be filled with mourning, lamentation. I will bring upon sackcloth, upon all loins, baldness upon every head. I will make it as the morning of an only son, and the end thereof is a bitter day. And then what happens? Then what happens? Well, according to Amos, behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. When the lights go out, when the summer fruit that Amos is speaking about, when God's words are fulfilled upon a nation whom God has given examples and warnings, if you do this, this is going to happen, and you've ignored it, and you've already seen all the previews of judgment, you've been striped many times, Isaiah said, why will I strike you again? You will only revolt more and more, so I'm going to pass by no more. This is a final end for you, America, and you're going into the darkness. There's going to be a lot of death. It's going to strike around the world. God is ready to move his hand of judgment upon the nations of the earth. And he's going to happen right here in America. The lights are going out. You have a a very terrified administration in power right now. Arrogant is all get out, but afraid. They're madmen. They're so afraid they want to arrest anybody that even doesn't agree with them. I mean, it's crazy, right? They want to get rid of everybody they possibly can. But that's not going to work with what's coming down the pike. Now, having said this, I want to invite a dear friend. My brother Don is calling in from where he's calling in from today. I want to bring him onto the air and say good morning to him. So good morning, brother Don. How are you today, sir? Just fine this uh, wonderful summer morning. And yourself? I'm doing great, and it's not even summer yet. Summer begins in two days. <laughs> well, the spirit of summer is here, that's for sure. <laughs> you, you could say that is right. So, man, I thank you for joining me on the air. Thanks for calling in. I know you're, you're, you're at, a, at your work, and, and you're taking time out to do this. So I want to just turn things over to you. I know you have something in your heart to share with the people that are listening today. So please take your freedom and tell us what's going on. Well, after all that good preaching, uh, that about said it all. Uh, judgment is upon the land. 
and I hardly think anyone could really disagree with that. They know something's on the line, but they don't know what it is because it's something new. And they're sitting and they're watching and they're thinking, well, what's going to happen next? Well, what's going to happen next is, uh, well, I'm thinking about three or four different things. But let me put it, uh, I was talking to my director this morning. And he was actually, he was sitting at his desk about 7 o'clock in the morning. He and I were there. And uh, he started to weep because he had taken that vaccine. Well, it's not a vaccine. Vaccine prevents disease. This gives you the disease or gives you a type of gene therapy spike protein that's killing you. Now, uh, I know probably people that are listening right now, some people have taken that, what they call the vaccine. And uh, I, I want to mention what you should do about that. But what you do, what, what the federal government involved in a military operation with the communist red Chinese who have been promised our country, who have bought our country, to corrupt treasonous politicians. What they have done is they've done a military operation and they have killed, they have just murdered half the American people. If their statistics are correct, I think it's maybe 40%, but they claim it's like 60 or 70 to get you to just go along with them and finish your operation. Because of that, now they have to contend with the rest of the American people who are waking up and are going to fight them. You mentioned January 6th. January 6th, and I'm 70 years old, that was the greatest act of American patriotism that I've witnessed in my entire life. Uh, now, your enemy will tell you it was an insurrection, although nobody has been charged with that. But what it was is an act of aggression taken against treasonous politicians that were currently in the process of stealing an American presidential election, which by all appearances is they did succeed in it. And the American people acting out of frustration, a million and a half were there. Uh, some entered the uh, state house in protest and uh, fought uh, Capitol, uh, I don't want to call them police, palace guard, in order to get in there and to demonstrate their displeasure with the uh, with the people that are inside that capital who I refuse to uh, call them uh, anything constitutional. Uh, the people inside there uh, stated that the hollow halls were violated. Well, those halls haven't been hollow since those people have been in there, that's for sure. And they've been steadily selling out the American people to the communist red Chinese. 
and they have been in the process now of conducting a military siege operation against the United States internally with people that they have bought off or compromised or blackmailed into going along with them. I feel that these facts are indisputable. I think the evidence is totally there. Now you're going to see them move in and take control. But they have to soften up the American people more because the American people are still the most heavily armed civilian population in the world. So they're going to have to do what a military operation always does. You want to see a military operation? Look at World War II when we stormed beaches. Before we stormed the beaches and left 20,000 American GIs dead on those beaches on Normandy, first we had to soften up the shoreline. So we spent days hammering it with heavy guns. And then when we thought it was probably soft up as much as it can be, then we came in. But the Chinese are going to do the same thing. Right now with this kill shot, they've eliminated half the American people. American, half the American people will be dead within a few years from that spike protein that they lied about that they said initially will just stay in your shoulder and then gravitate down to your armpits to fight their uh, non-lethal virus. Well, actually, the spike, team, the spike protein migrates throughout the entire body, affecting every organ. Autopsies have been conducted now. The spike protein is everywhere, disassembling the body. Basically, you're dying of something similar to AIDS, except I think it's a little more fast-acting. My director, he was sitting there at his desk today crying, saying that I haven't felt good for two months after I took it. I know I killed myself. Now, I hadn't said anything. This was him talking to me. So that being the case, why did this happen? Well, the first judgment that God issues to his rebellious people, people who turn against him, is he allows their enemies to overcome them. The United States of America has never had military enemies take over the United States from the outside. But there has been an internal siege on the United States for many years. Uh, Some people call it communism. Some people call it the New World Order. I think it's all of that. But one thing for sure, it's evil beyond imagination. And that's what's come against the United States. The people of the United States could have been protected and always have been protected. But see, then they allowed 80 to 100 million babies sovereign babies that God put here individually with the plan and purpose for every one of their lives. American people threw those babies back at them, back at him in his face saying, we don't want your will. We want our will. And we want to do whatever we want to do. Now this didn't surprise God and this is nothing new for God. But one thing is the predictability of how God will respond to that based on his historical record of how he's dealt with man. Right now, the American people are under judgment, 
and it's going to get worse and worse. And death is what they sanctioned and allowed they will have from the Lord himself. And the Bible says that the Lord will laugh at their calamity. The American people collectively, not all, but collectively, they become the enemy of God. It's just that simple. There really is no other way to look at it, and there's really no reason to be surprised at it. So this is something we're going to have to go through. As I told my director this morning, uh, yeah, you, you killed yourself, no doubt about it. Magnets is sticking into his arm and everything else, just everything you heard of, I've seen it. But I said the power of God is more powerful than any gene therapy, any bioweapon that the communist red Chinese or their proxies have entered into your body. Now, the Chinese just made a big gripe. They said that they have, killed, they have defeated the United States through bioterrorism. Bioterrorism is the shot, the kill shot. They've eliminated their enemies. The communist red Chinese are unmerciful. If you don't believe that, talk to one who has come here and freed himself from that and become an American. I have talked to them, and they said, you have no idea how evil the communist red Chinese are and what they have planned for the United States and what they're conducting. That being said, as I told my director this morning, Jesus Christ is more powerful than any shot that they stuck in you, any weapon, because Jesus is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So based on that, you throw yourself on the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ, and you ask him to save you and to destroy this thing that they put in your body. That is the only answer to what you have just done, what you have allowed yourself to be a part of. If you do that, you you ask for God's grace, you ask for God's mercy, humbling, leaving nothing to bear, nothing back, and you can expect God to heal you. That's what you have to do. And that's the only thing that will work. And uh, he said that he's saved. He said that he has surrendered his life to Jesus. I said, good. You, you keep doing that. I have to do that. We all have to do that on a daily basis. You have to surrender yourself to the will of God through Jesus Christ. That's the only hope anyone has in, their, in the United States right now based on what has happened to them and why it has happened. Slowly they're waking up. I think a lot of the chaos that's going to occur now is because people are going to realize what happened to them, what was done to them. And Mr. Fauzi, he'll slither away somewhere, and Obama will sit and laugh. All the people that were behind this and delivering us to our enemies, uh, they won't probably even be around to be accountable. But the American people are going to have to live with this now. And uh, the only the only advice I have is you have to trust Jesus now more than you've 
ever trusted him, you have to totally give yourself to him because it's going to be really bad. And I don't think anyone truly understands how bad it's going to be. I know I don't. I've seen pieces of this kind of thing before. But as I look around now, the shock that is going to occur uh, this summer and the, consequently the violence and the terror that's going to arise based on what's happening to American people will come to full fruition. And I wished I was wrong, and I know that I'm not. So that's what I have to share today. Uh, yeah, repent. absolutely. Okay. Amen. Repent and be saved. That's it. That's it. Repent and be saved. You know, it's an interesting concept. I don't know if people really heard the the, the word here that the Chinese, you know, and, and I've heard it kind of round and about, but it just kind of made more sense for some reason this morning that the Chinese killed the Americans with this virus to soften the nation so that they could take it over with a more violent um, intrusion. Um, You know, that's probably people would think maybe that's speculative. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not true. Could that ever be? Could these people really have allowed that to happen? But from a globalist agenda, uh, as God is pronouncing the end of his America, so to speak, and you see the red dragon rising to power and the beast nations joining alongside of that new power that's coming. Um, and all these things are so strategically gathering together. Um, what, an, what an amazing moment of time we're living in. And the admonition for those who love the Lord to accelerate and go deeper into the things of God, go further into the things of God get rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus Christ. To that, there's no doubt. Um, but we are observing, we are witnessing, we are watching. The message is out there, and we have proclaimed the message as we were called to do. And now, how do you comfort the feeble? How do you tell those that are weak? How do you tell those that are tempted to be afraid or any of these things? You know, hold on to Jesus Christ. Get, get so close to him, so intimate. So he'll never say to you, I don't know you. I've never been intimate with you. Wrap your life into his. Go into him. Let him come into you. Uh, Brother Don, these are powerful words. Again, the idea of Russia, China, and there's so much more that is going on in our country today. And behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., the decisions that are being made are not uh, based upon a constitutional Um, value system of what America once stood for, what it was intended to be. Uh, There are people in this government that are actually undermining the Constitution of the United States and are acting on a global agenda rather than a national uh, one nation under God. And so that's the truth, isn't it? So it's over. Yes. Yeah, you're dealing with an enemy now that uh, is truly given over to Satan uh, has been, uh, and they have pledged to destroy and exterminate every American here in this country when they get in here. They're not just saying that. They mean that. And uh, <laughs> the American people don't understand 
how people could be like that. Well, they were trained to be like that. They were trained to be like that when since they were children. North Korea, communist Red China, they have been trained that they're going to kill and eliminate the American people. From the time that, that one of the first things they're taught, they're taught that they're going to fight American soldiers and they're going to kill Americans. So you can't really uh, allow yourself to think that, well, nobody could be that cruel. No one could be that satanic. You're looking at it from an American point of view. You know, uh, I tell you what, you leave this country and you get to see uh, an Asian point of view. It's not, it's not your point of view. And you're going to suffer culture shock over it. You know, how could these people be like this? But they are. You have to face reality. And you have to face reality that our politicians, Bushes, Obamas, Clintons, all of them, completely soulless to these people. And the, the traitors that did that, of course, I don't know if they were really traitors. I mean, you have to be loyal to begin with to be a traitor. I can't say that they ever were. They might be loyal to money and power, but I, I can't really see where they were loyal to the American people. Uh, but they've sold us to these people. And the thing is, they made billions of dollars. You know, look at the Biden's kid. He made a billion and a half off these people for, you know, nobody wants to explain how he made that, why they gave him a billion and a half dollars. Well, for betraying us. It's just that simple. And the thing is, when you sell yourselves to people like this, you don't ever tell them no because they're going to kill you. And so they're going to have to do what they were hired to do and what they were paid to do, and they're going to have to go all the way. And the thing is, uh, right now the American people are like a punch-drunk fighter on the ropes. Every time he gets hit, he's still on the ropes. He can't really get his feet out from underneath him because he's not allowed to. He's on the ropes, he's being hit, and he can't really get his balance. That's the way they're going to keep us. They're going to keep us on the ropes until we go down and can't get back up. And the devil is the one doing the 10 count. And that's where we're at. So we have to realize that and we have to, yes, we have to fight. We have to fight spiritually. And let's be honest about it. Unless you want uh, these uh, very evil people to come in here by the millions in a combat role, you're going to have to fight them. You're going to have to defend against them. And you're going to have to prevail. And see, that's the one thing they're afraid of. If they would have disarmed us, they'd have been in here a long time ago. Uh, They're going to come in probably after all this chaos and people find out what they did to them, what they shot and all that. They're going to come in as UN peacekeepers, but they're going to be communist red Chinese. They're going to try to sell themselves like that. It won't last long. You'll be able to figure out the scam. The scam's already been figured out. So they're going to come in here and they're going to be brutal. Brutal. It's going to be like when Russia entered the United States. I'm sorry, when Russia entered Germany after the Second World War, they terrorized that population. If you were a woman and you ran, they shot you. If you didn't run, you got raped. It's just that simple. 
They had women report to the military every morning for sex. Quintly, uh, German women had a very extremely high rate of suicide based on that. Now, today, Russian explains that. Well, those were Russian, uh, Mongolian Russian soldiers. No, it wasn't. When Stalin got confronted about it, what did he say? Well, my people, been on, my soldiers been on the battlefield for a long time. They're tired. They deserve this kind of recreation. That's the way he looked at it. And that was the big leader, Joseph Stalin. Well, you can see a lot of other of these type of uh, leaders arise. And uh, I think you already have, but they're wearing masks as politicians in uh, United in uh, Washington, uh, known as Obama, the Clintons, the Bushes, and we could probably go on and on with that. But th- th- these are the ones where they've been exposed. Now, like I said, our choice is to pray, get close to Jesus Christ, and eventually fight. I say fight because I'm an ex-military man. I've been involved in uh, use of arms my entire life. I was in the Vietnam War, and I've been a, I was a policeman and a SWAT officer, everything else for 23 years, as well as some other things. I understand what it takes to try to defeat this and to war against it, and it's going to take force. And the American people understand that. They. Uh, People are running for guns and ammunition because they know something's wrong. They know they've been betrayed instinctively. You don't need any uh, – the facts are all coming out now, but the American people are pretty smart in that respect. The one good thing about the American people, blacks, whites, Latins, I have a hard time believing you're going to get them going to race war because they built this country together. And right now they all know – even though they came over on different ships, they're in the same boat now. And once they realize the, the forces that are arrayed against them and who they are, the communist uh, uh, New World Order, uh, red surge that's coming in here, once they realize that, they'll all know who to fight, and it sure ain't going to be each other. What, what bothers me is they're going to try to turn off the lights and get people starving for a while and get them to try to fight each other. This race war that they've been trying to instigate, that's pretty much, pretty much fizzled out because American people aren't that dumb. They're dumb because they just don't want to believe that their country would do this to them. I was, I was listening to an old Jewish guy one time. He survived Auschwitz, and he was being interviewed, and the person interviewed him asked him, he says, did you know about these camps that you know you're going to be sent to? Did the, 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 the Jews not know about this? And he says, No, we knew about it. And he says, Well, how do you know about it? He says, Well, people escaped those camps and came back and told us in the ghettos. So well, why did you get on the why did you get on board the train? You know, just a few guards there, thousands of you. Why did you go get on the train knowing you're going to your death? And you know what he said. Same thing's happening to American people right now. He says, because we would not allow ourselves to believe that our country would actually do that to us. And there it is. Same thing's going on right now. The United States will not allow themselves to believe that their country would actually do that to, uh, to them. And that's exactly what happened. 
So history repeats itself. And we're going to have to, you want to see what's happening? Look at history. In every Amen. And, and look at God's historical record. Look at what he does. Because then you can see what's going to happen. Is that wow? Wow, excellent. Well said, Brother Don. Well said. Well, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Amen. Amen. That's part of it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. It certainly is. In a holy walk with God. You know, I'm just kind of looking at one of the comments that we have. And if anybody has a question or comment, want to call into the program, eight one eight three six nine zero three two six. Press one on your dial pad. Um, you know, it, it, we get into denial, and that's what you're talking about right now. I think there's a lot of Egyptian uh, Christians out there who live in denial by the Denial River, right? Um, but I think there's a lot of denial out there. And, you know, it's, it's kind of – I've spent almost 45 minutes to an hour, you know, bringing the Word of God about people that can – uh, that have tasted the Holy Spirit. They've partaken of the Holy Spirit. They were saved by grace. Uh, their names were blotted out of the book of life. And, um, you know, other and people just can't believe, kind of like um, Americans, they can't believe that our government would sell them out, as you just said. They can't believe that uh, somehow that God would allow them to make decisions to uh, be separated from him forever. And uh, one uh, a dear friend is talking about the uh, Holy Spirit, that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit. And yet... Uh, we just read in Hebrews that there were people that were partakers of the Holy Spirit, but they fell away and there was no renewing the repentance. And then, of course, the scripture says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't, by which you are sealed unto the day of redemption. So he says, don't grieve it. And then in Thessalonians, don't quench, to extinguish, to put out, which means you can. You can grieve, you can quench, you can break that union, that seal could be broken. And yet we have a very difficult time, a hard time believing that God would allow us to fall away from him. And it's a very strange thing how deep denial really does go, and it's not a very healthy moment for it. Uh, Don, I've got another call coming in right now. I'm going to put you on hold. I want to hear what our caller is saying in area code 571. I believe this is Pastor Jeff Bass calling in from Virginia. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, Pastor Vincent. That's my brother. How are I, uh, you, sir? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just, I just, I just been weeping, man. That, that was one of the most profound conversations that you and brother Don just had. And as he, you, you get, as he was talking, I, I was just crying. And I'm not ashamed of this, as a grown man crying. My heart goes out because the Bible says, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. And it's the the truth is coming forth, but it's being silenced. And not only if it's not silenced, it's like it's like water off a duck's back. People they don't want to hear it. Yesterday I had a conversation sharing similarly what you and Brother Don were saying, and my good friend he didn't want to believe it. And that continues to break my heart when I just share with people close people I know, pastors, uh, uh, relatives, and they don't want to see it, or they're this, just they're blind to it, and it, it just it just hurts, you know, you know, as you know, 
pastor, my wife and I, we do a, a, a Thursday night teaching, and we just did a teaching on a cry for mercy. And I was it was a two-part. Two weeks ago, I talked about how the judgment is on America and that we need to cry to the Lord for mercy. That's all I mean. It's just like Brother Dunn was saying, we need to pray, of course, in, in spiritual warfare. But in my heart, it was just, Lord, the Lord is just saying, cry out to him, cry out for mercy. And he, he just took me to Isaiah chapter 33, you know, verses 2 through 12. But I just wanted to say that. I want to continue to go, just go on. I don't want to ramble or whatever. But I just encourage you also, because what you're saying, we as the people, we need to believe this, because I just, I just got an article from Dave Hodges. It says, as vaccines, he was talking about as vaccines are taking their toll and everything that what you just had taught before, before Brother Don came on, he, he elaborates in this article, there's a nine-phase plan that the, you know, the communists want to do along with our, our traitors. And phase, num- phase number eight, believe it or not, is he, uh, Hodges says, turning out the lights and starving the Northeast. And phase nine is surrender and subsequent genocide. So, again, to me, God is showing me through you, Brother Dunn, other people, and through the Holy Spirit even telling me, but, you know, it just hurts me that, that there's so many people that don't even want to hear the message. They need to hear what was just said. And um, all I can do is, is, just, is just pray, man. Just continue to pray. Amen. Spoken from the pastor's heart, absolutely. And, and every heart should be weeping for the things that God is declaring through his word, through the examples that he has given us, through the end samples that he has revealed to us. And God is God. He, let every man be a liar. Let God be true. His word is true. And we've seen so much over the last 20 years since 9-11-2001. And we're about to see so much more. And this is, this is critical. It's a critical time for people, especially in their walk with God and their salvation. Um, Pastor Jeff, uh, Don, do you have any comment to what you just heard Pastor Jeff sharing? Well, I feel his heart. And uh, the fact remains that right now, we have just started and are well into what will historically be known as the American Holocaust. Mm. And there's no other way to look at it. Uh, The people who don't want to admit what they see and don't want to face the reality of the situation, I simply submit to them after 80 million babies were murdered at the permission of the federal government in the United States and state and most of the American people, after that, what is not possible? And what is not possible as far as the faith of the American people. I think if you think about that question, I think that the answer is pretty obvious because God hates the shedding of innocent blood. And look at all the blood. 
if the American people condoned and watched and somehow thought that God was sitting on his throne and nothing was going to happen. But once again, I, I, I submit to you, look at the historical record of how God responds. And it doesn't matter if you believe if God's real or not. I mean, we know he is because we've seen him. We've seen his face and we've seen his moves. But I guarantee you, the Bible says that only a fool in his heart says there is no God. I've met very few atheists. But God will be God. He will be God. And he's being God right now. And sometimes uh, he's God just by removing his hand of protection from you. And what do you see now in the United States? You see enemies everywhere. And you only know half the truth of that. They're at our borders. They're in Canada. They're in Mexico. And they've been getting tone on us for a long time. They're sieging us. They have the United States in a siege, tightening their grip more and more every day. Amen. Well, it's very true. Yeah, it's true. And there's a lot more to talk about. Maybe both of you men could join me back next week when we come back on the air Tuesday. We'll see how the weekend goes this weekend with summer beginning in two days from now. Um, I have got to run. We're a little bit over time right now. I'm going to say goodbye to everybody. Pastor Jeff, thanks for calling into the broadcast, sharing your heart. We appreciate it. And, uh, again, Don, uh, Jeff, make sure you give us a call, Pastor Jeff, um, next week. Let's continue the conversation. I think God has made a very good point today. Uh, We could learn from history. We could see how God has set examples and examples. And what's going on in our country right now, it'd be really hard to miss what God's ready to do. You've been listening to The Watchman right here on Omega Radio. Right now, there's 24 hours a day, seven days a week on OmegaRadio.org. I want to wish you a great weekend. Keep in the heavens. Keep peering into Christ. Right now, there's a roundtable discussion. We'll see you on Tuesday, Lord willing. Shalom, and God bless everybody.